Right, okay, so welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. And I'm delighted to say that joining me uh, for this week's episode is someone who I've actually been keen to speak to since the uh, podcast first started. I've been a member of the uh, Fight Game podcast Facebook group since September. Uh, It feels a lot longer than that, really, but uh, since September. And uh, someone who I've conversed with, I think, virtually from day one has been uh, Paul Fontaine. And I'm delighted to say that Paul has joined me for this week's episode. Uh, Paul, how's it going? It's going good. I, I can't believe it's only been since September. Like It feels like I've known you for years. Yeah, it so, feels like uh, I've been yeah. there for years as well. I, yeah. I, I can't remember what I, what I was doing before being a member of the group because it takes up yeah. so much of my time online now. But I can't think of a better way to spend it because it's, it's such a great, no. great community. It is. It is. It's an awesome community for anybody that's listening that's not a part of it you know reach out to david and get an intro intro into the group you got to be invited but once you're in there it's it's a family and it's just awesome of course you uh you write for the fight game website you you're you're now doing podcasts for the uh on the patreon which i want to plug at the end of the show um Mm -hmm. but how did your sort of involvement with the observer website come come about because you've been involved with them for quite some time now haven't you yeah i mean it was kind of accidental in a way like um so i went to uh one of what they call the f4w conventions um i think they've been going since maybe 2009 and i went to one it was either 2010 or 2011 and um i you know i I heard about it i wasn't even really listening to the radio shows at all um or no i was listening to the radio shows but i wasn't on the board and that's where people were talking about was on their message board but I went to the show, I went by myself, I'm in Canada, and I went to Las Vegas and to meet up with all these people that I didn't know, and I met Dave Meltzer, and I met Brian Alvarez there, and, and you know, and that was just one year and one time, and then I wasn't going to go back, and then the next year, I just had a whole bunch of people reach out to me, and, and at that time, like, that board was kind of what our Fight Game Media Group is now, so um, they were just like a family, and, and so they all, like, reached out to me, and I'm like, wow, these people remember me, like, they want me there, and so I, I went back, and then... I just kept going back every year, and then I went to a WrestleMania outing at one point, and then I just became friends with um, with Dave and Brian, like, personally. I don't know how. I think out of all the people there, I was probably closest in age to Dave, so that might have helped. But, like, a couple of the lunches we went to, like, he would just, he'd come in late, and he'd sit beside me. Like, there's lots of empty seats, and he'd just sit beside me, and I thought it was really weird, but then we'd talk. And, and then I started sending him stuff, and just, you know, here's my thoughts on something. And then the next thing I know, like, he's putting it on the website. And, and I'm like, wow, okay. And then um, at some point, Dave lost editorial control of his own website. And, uh, and so he wasn't, because he was putting up just, you know, pretty much anything anybody sent him, I guess. And uh, not anything, but a lot of stuff that probably didn't belong on a website. And so um, when, when that happened, the editor reached out to me and said, you know, I like some of the stuff you're doing and, and you want to keep doing it. And then I started covering... UFC and uh, some of the other smaller MMA promotions and and then the ratings thing kind of became my niche so um, at some point I started doing that and it just kind of you know and then one point they asked me like hey we want to pay you and I'm like okay <laughs> I, was, I was doing it for free I, I, I wasn't even, I was still paying for a sub at that time um, you know 2016 I think and then maybe 2015 and then yeah so ever since then I've been a paid writer for the site and um, you know, and, and I mainly was doing it too, like as to get media credentials for UFC. So um, you know, I kind of wanted to make it official, and that's where you know, so I could get credentialed. 
And so I got to go to a lot of UFCs for free um, as a credentialed writer. And then it just became like kind of a job. But it's not like it doesn't pay a lot, but it's it's more than it's not nothing. You know, I, I uh, it's enough to probably give me a lot of a lot of spending money when I go to Vegas. I'll put it that way. So how long had you been writing you know, prior to, to to getting that sort of job with The Observer? How many years have you been writing on, on wrestling well, in USC? I mean, honestly, like, I wasn't really officially writing. Like, I just, you know, it was more like just my thoughts. And so the, the first few things that went up on The Observer site, like, if you go back, it's just basically like I had a thought and I wrote it. And then I sent it to Dave, kind of like a letter that I thought maybe he'd print in the Observer or, you know, I just kind of wanted him to read it. And then he published it. And so I wasn't, like, I don't have any training in writing at all other than just doing it. Um, I did write a book in uh, 2005, um, like a novel. Uh, I was inspired by Mick Foley, actually. And uh, so, I mean, that, I mean, that was my first real experience with writing. I spent a year on that, self-published. I sold maybe like 200 copies, maybe not quite that many. And I have, I still have like boxes of them here. Um, you know, if you want one, you know, send me your address. I'll, I'll mail oh, it. Please one. do, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, but uh, I. So yeah, that so, was around. The, sorry, that was around the that, time that Foley wrote the uh, his novel. Was it was was it Teton Brown no, he wrote around yeah, that time? Yeah, so it was Teton Brown that inspired me, believe it or not. So at one point, when they were doing the Wrestling Observer Live call-in show, and it was on um, regular radio, I heard Nick Foley on there, and I. I called him and I said, listen, like, I just want you to know, like, I'm sure you've had a million people tell you they inspired you to wrestle. You inspired me to write. And, and I, and he was like amazed to hear that. And then he asked me, he gave the producer of the show, his mailing address and said, give it to this guy, you know, off air and send me a copy of your book. I never got any feedback from him. I, I assume since he asked for it, he read it. I hope he did. Um, it was, it's, if you've read that book, it's, it's similar. It's, I'd never read a book that was written like that in that it was an autobiography. It was a fictional autobiography written in first person. And that's, I couldn't figure out a way to tell the story I wanted to tell until I read that book. And then I realized that's how I want to do it. So it's the main character in the book telling the story. And it is wrestling related, um, very heavily wrestling related, I'd say, but it's also a personal story. And there's a lot of aspects of the main character's life that are actually happening in my life. And there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of it that didn't happen. Um, but it's, um, and you, you know, you can kind of guess as you're reading, oh, I wonder if this is what happened. I wonder if that's what happened. And, you know, friends of mine that have read the book have, have wondered, you know, but um, there's a few that are very obvious didn't happen. But some of them are like, well, that could have happened. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then the ending won't spoil it, but it obviously didn't happen or you, you wouldn't be reading the book. <laughs> so what was the title of the book? Sorry. The book's called Deuce is Wild. Okay. Um, and it's got, like, I put I published a picture of it, actually, in one of the threads in the Fight Game podcast, and it's got it's got a wrestling ring and money. And so the, the gist of the story is it's a, it's a guy who wins a lottery and decides to start his own wrestling company. and But he's also a, an alcoholic and, uh, and just basically an addict in general. So he he struggles with all that while he's you know living his dream of running a wrestling company, and uh, and his life kind of you know there's a lot of ups and downs. Okay, I, I would love to read a copy of that. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a quick read. It probably takes two hours. Like it's I think it's maybe 150 pages, and it's uh, you know not it's not small print. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll uh, yeah get get me your address off there, and I'll send you a copy for sure. 
So this podcast, obviously, we we ask the same. I ask the same set of questions every every time, and the first question is, how did you become a fan of wrestling? What's your earliest memory of wrestling? So, what, do you remember the first time you would have come across it? Yeah, I mean, so I'm fifty. Um, so I grew up in the seventies, and at that time, we had basically three channels, and um, you know, at six o'clock on Saturday night, wrestling was on. I mean, that's it. Like it, it wasn't like if I was going to watch TV, I was going to watch wrestling. We, you know, you didn't have two TVs, you didn't have eight million channels, you didn't have the internet. You know, if I was going to play outside, I was going to play outside. But if I was in the house, and that's supper time, so more often than not, I'm in the house, and wrestling's on. So I watched wrestling, and then after wrestling was hockey. And before wrestling was Kinsman Jackpot Bingo. <laughs> you know, it's like everybody watched it. There's three channels, but there's the same shows everybody watched. You know, and they were on different channels, actually. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just watched it. And I, as far as I knew, it was AWA. But, I mean, I didn't know there was any other wrestling. I, You know, that was wrestling. It was, you know, and the world champion was the world champion. It was Vern Gagne. And then it was Nick Bockwinkle. And that was the world champion. I didn't know, you know, Ric Flair, like, Luthez, Dory Funk, who are these people? <laughs> like, I literally had no idea. It, you know, wrestling was as what I saw on my television on Saturday, on Saturday, you know. And it was, they covered in the paper, too, sometimes. And, I mean, so if you saw it in the paper, it was AWA. Like, they didn't talk about any other wrestling. So, yeah, I mean, it was just a part of your life. And everybody at school talked about it. And, uh, you know, we all had the same favorites. So. So who were the uh, wrestlers that really captured your imagination as a kid? Well, if you've seen the EWA, um, I mean, looking back now, like even for the time, it was it was it was not very good. Um, so, I mean, I um, I like the high flyers. Um, they were younger than everybody else. They were in better shape. Um, they were high flyers, quote unquote. You know, they did drop kicks. Uh, Jim Brunzel and Greg Gagne. So Jim Brunzel ended up later on in the WWF as you know part of the Killer Bees. And Greg Gagne never left the AWA. His dad was the uh, world champ, and then he became, you know, he was this push star up until the time it closed in the 1990, I think. So um, I literally just watched um, the AWA, um, and that was my whole, you know, my whole exposure to wrestling, and, and those were my guys. And then later on, I'm almost ashamed to say, it was Buck Zumhoff, who, you know, had some troubles, um, you know, with, uh, you know, some his stepdaughter and you know just don't want to get into any of that but at the time I, you know he was just a guy he had a boom box he managed to get the best of Bobby Heenan all the time who was the evil heel manager so I was behind him as well um and uh you know and the crusher was a big star but I wasn't that much into him Baron Von Raschke um everybody you know, everybody did the claw the claw and stick your hand out, and, and it was the claw, and it was like, if you did that, oh, the Baron, like, that's it, like, everybody knew it, um, you know, guys like that, like, you talk about, like, Hall of Famers, and, I mean, literally, like, every kid knew the, the Baron, you know, um, they may not have even known the High Flyers, but they knew the Baron, and the claw, so... It's very much like anyone who grew up in Texas in the 80s yeah, would, would know yeah. about the Von Erichs and, and the Claw as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the same thing, yeah. you know, and then I'm sure they, you know, the Nick Wachwinkel's Ric Flair and, you know, Vern Gagne was Harley Race, like, they all had versions of the same guy, and now that I look back and look at it all, and then I look at all the other stuff, and it was so much better than what I was watching, but, you know, what you didn't know. I mean, when you, when you watch John Moxley 
uh, sorry, uh, not John Moxley, sorry, Kenny Omega. When you watch Kenny Omega mm-hmm. and um, Don Callis now, I mean, do you see that comparison to Heenan and Bockwinkle? I can see why Dave Meltzer says that. And I even think that maybe that's what they are thinking. But I just, like, for me, it doesn't really feel the same. Um, Kenny Omega, maybe for Don Callis um, as, as Bobby Heenan. But Don Callis is more, uh, I think, serious than Bobby Heenan was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think it may be more of like a J.J. Dillon, Ric Flair thing, except Kenny Omega is definitely not Ric Flair. Um, he's probably better in the ring, but but just his personality. I think he's like he comes off like he's trying to be Ric Flair. So I think the dynamic is there, like in terms of the two are always together, like Bockwinkle and Flair, like or Bockwinkle and um, Heenan. Heenan were always together. But but he always also had his family. He had the Heenan family, like that was that was a thing in the AWA. It carried over the WWF, and um, I mean, we don't really have that. Maybe we will at some point. Like maybe Impact is his family. Um, there was like I'm, I, 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 I had another uh, parallel of what those two were, um, and I, I had brought it up at the time when they first got them together in AEW, and I just it's just not coming to me. Maybe I'll think of it later, and I'll just kind of blurt it out out of nowhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's but it I don't I don't see that, but I I do think that that's what they're trying to do. I just don't think that they're hitting the mark. Heenan, I think is. Is it fair to say he's definitely the greatest manager of all time? Is that even is that even debatable? Well, I mean, I mean, you know, you might say Jim Cornette, um, I, yeah, for you know, and and for some reasons, and but other than that, and then you know, there was a guy that Dave Meltzer he just recently passed away that Dave wrote about, and I'd like to know more about him. I can't even remember his name right now, but apparently it was somebody that Bobby Heenan borrowed a lot from, and so I'd kind of like to see that before making a determination. Yeah, you still there? I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't know who that would have been either. I'm trying to think. Um, so, someone that passed away recently that Dave wrote, Dare, like within the last two months. Um, okay, I'm trying to remember. And he was he was really big in the '50s. Um, I can't. And he's been out of wrestling for a long time. Um, I, do, I and he would have been like northeast and Midwest uh, in, in the U.S. But I just I'm just not placing okay, I'll have on to, his name. I'll have to look into yeah. anyone. But, that... but again, it's like I, I think that even you know like that guy would probably say Heenan you know did it better. Um, but but I just would like to see the original you know because that's yeah, you know, that's what it kind of came from. But I mean you know there's a lot of guys that um, you know I'd say are close like even Paul Heyman. Um, I think he's hurt by the fact that the role of the manager is a lot different now than it used to be. But given the, I think in comparison to the other managers at the time, like Heyman is far better. If that makes sense. You know, like yeah, in terms of like, as compared to his peers, like he is just so far and away the best manager right now. It's not even close. And whereas when Heenan was was at the top, there was a lot of guys like Cornette, J.J. Dillon, um, the Captain Lobano. Um, you know, I could go on. Grand Wizard. Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Hart, of course, in Memphis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hart. Yeah, I Gary mean, Hart. Yeah, even yeah, Gary Hart. Like, wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and even you know, 
slick, you know, like if you want to get into that, like they're all so memorable and you just say the name, right? And and you just have this instant memory of what they were, who they managed. They were all different, you know. I mean, there were takeoffs. Um, you know, we had even takeoffs in Canada. Like um, there was a guy, uh, his nickname was a pretty boy and he was, he was exactly Bobby Heenan. I can't remember his name, but he wrestled, like he was in Quebec, but we, we got it on TV here sometimes. Um, and then in Calgary, they had some just cheap knockoffs of guys um, that uh, the great, the great Gama uh, had a stable, the, you know, and, and uh, I can't remember the name of the manager, but he was like, you know, he's a sheik, basically. And, uh, you know, so they all like, that's what I found out, like, as my fandom kind of matured, and, you know, I started seeing wrestling magazines, and, um, you know, and this is way before the internet. Uh, but you know, I just started to realize there's a wrestling world out there, and but I had no way to see it. You know, I didn't even know about tape trading. I probably would have been into that if I knew about it, um, because I did. I was one of the first people to have a VCR, like around where I lived. Like I bought one. My my parents didn't even have one, so I would have been into tape trading if I knew about it. Um, didn't know about the Observer till oh, I don't know mid '90s maybe. So, what was the first live show that you would have attended? So I don't know the exact year. Uh, it would have been in the mid to late 70s. And it was at the Winnipeg Arena. And the main event was Nick Bach, Winkle, and Vern Gagne for the world title. And what I remember from this event, I don't remember any of the undercard. I've gone back and looked at results. And I think I kind of narrowed it down a few times to where I thought, okay, it might have been this show, might have been that show. Because those two would have wrestled you know, hundreds of times. And Winnipeg was a big stop for the AWA, so they probably wrestled here, you know, probably more than a couple dozen times. But this particular match, um, you know, and this may have been a common finish too, um, Vern Gagne's finisher was a sleeper, and he, he put out Nick Bockwinkle, the heel, with a sleeper to win, and it was a main event, so the match was over, people are starting to leave, the lights are up, Nick Bockwinkle's still lying in the ring. And my, I, my dad's explaining to me, you know, it was a sleeper, like he's out, you know, he's going to need somebody to come wake him up. And then at some point, uh, maybe 15, 10, probably, you know, it probably was like five, but it felt like 15 minutes later. Um, Vern Gagne comes back from the locker room and he like slaps Nick Bockwinkle on the back of the head, which wakes him up, quote unquote. And then he's all like, where am I? Where? You know, he's, and everyone's laughing, the people are still there. You know, and it's like, it's part of the show. But, I mean, I totally bought into that. You know, like, it was like this old dude, you know, who, you know, like... And the funny thing is, like, he's probably younger than a lot of the guys in WWE now, but, you know, he looked like he was 60. Um, but, but he was probably, like, you know, in his late 40s. But he was a tough bastard, and he was, you know, like... I didn't even for a second think that wrestling wasn't real. Um, so this was the toughest guy. He was the world champion. And he had just put out, and Bockwinkle was younger, and he was in good shape, and he was good looking, and he had the manager. So, you know, but, but it was like when they would wrestle for the world title, it was, it wasn't, they wrestled. Like, it was serious. I mean, there was no comedy, there was nothing. Like, you had interference sometimes, but it less in those kind of matches than you would have in the undercard, from what I remember. So... It was, yeah, I mean, that was, that was just embedded in my mind. And we weren't very well off, um, so I didn't get to go to many live events. 
um, I think maybe twice with, with my dad. And then, you know, um, then we had moved, like we moved across the country uh, to like BC, which is, it might as well be a different country. And um, I, I don't think I saw any wrestling when I was there. I don't even remember watching it on TV when I was there, to be honest. In fact, we may not even have a TV. Like, that's how poor we were. Um, but when we moved back to Winnipeg, um, then I remember getting back into wrestling again. And I went with friends. So at that, by that time, you know, wrestling wasn't that expensive. And for me to take a bus to the Winnipeg Arena wasn't that, but that big of a deal. I was a teenager. So I went with my friends. I even had a job at the Winnipeg Arena for a while, uh, selling, you know, Cokes and popcorn and stuff. So you got to see the events. You got wrestling, hockey, um, concerts. You know, I got to see all that stuff for free while I was working, which was kind of cool. And then when you were done, you got to sit and watch, you know, right for the last, you know, half hour or so. So then um, you got to make money, too, so that was cool. But, yeah, so it, it, uh, it again, mid, mid to late 70s, I would have been, you know, five somewhere between 5 and 10 years old. You know, just a little kid, because we moved to BC in '81, so it was definitely before that, and I would say probably even a couple of years before that, because I think Gagne retired in 1980. So, um, and and but he was world champion for most of the time from about '65 to '80. So, yeah. So you stopped watching in what '81 when you moved to mm-hmm. to BC, but at, at any point did you? Stop watching because you literally didn't want to watch it anymore. Did you, did you at any point? Do you ever lose interest in wrestling? Well, that's it's a. I, I this is the question I thought about the most because um, there was a definite time when I had less interest in wrestling. I would say, and that was when Chris Benoit, you know, killed his family. Right. Um, yeah. I just you know, but even at that point, I was still watching. I just wasn't going. I wasn't buying the pay per views. Um, I think I, I went at least a year, maybe longer, um, without buying a pay-per-view. And then I think I just relented and bought a Royal Rumble at some point, And then I just kind of slowly got sucked back into it. But um, but that was, like, that I lost, I had less interest in it, but it doesn't mean I had no interest in it um, at that time. So the only time in my life, from the time I started till the time, like when we came back to Winnipeg, I mean, it was available. I could watch it if I wanted to. I don't remember watching it that much. Like it wasn't like I had to watch. Um, and it, but I remember like AWA was on. You know, it was still the big show in town in the early '80s. And one week, and this would have been '86, so I'm 15. You know, I turn it on, and all of a sudden, it's not the AWA, and it's still called. I think it was wrestling channel like i can't remember what it was called but whatever it was called superstars of wrestling that's what it was it was superstars of wrestling but it had a different logo and it was different wrestlers except some of them were the same some of them were people i recognized hulk hogan um mean gene uh you know some of the others i i you know people i've seen over the years well yeah because um, so many of them got their start yeah, in awa didn't that's they what happened. Yeah. yeah and they and he vince raided the company so and this is what he did everywhere. He would bring in the guys that were were, fam- were famous in the low, those markets, and then he'd do his TV in those markets to get people on the TV. But when I watched it, I didn't like it. Like I watched it, and I just I don't like this. And then I that so maybe it was then, because that would have been '85. And I remember like so the original WrestleMania. It might have even been '84. 
But the original WrestleMania was 85, and I didn't watch it at the time. I don't think we could here, but I remember seeing Mr. T and Hulk Hogan on Saturday Night's Main Event. I definitely watched that, um, and I knew who Hulk Hogan was, but I didn't know any of the other guys, like Paul Orndorff, Bob Orton, uh, Roddy Piper, maybe, but no, you know, and he's from Winnipeg, and I don't think I knew him. Um, and But then... I think by WrestleMania 2, I was starting to get a little bit more into it, but still it wasn't like, I think it was available on closed circuit here, and I think I was working, yeah, I was working at the arena, that's how I saw WrestleMania 2, because, and it was only, I would have only watched it while I was working, and maybe sat down and watched the main event or something, and I didn't like it, like, it wasn't that good, like, if you remember, that was King Kong Bundy and Hulk Hogan, and it was from three locations, and, and it just, like, especially when you look back now, like, it wasn't good. But by WrestleMania 3, I'm at this point, that's 1987, I'm 16 years old, I had a VCR, I remember being excited for WrestleMania 3. So I distinctly remember the angle where um, uh, Andre the Giant ripped Hulk Hogan's chain off of his neck and the, the lead up to that match. I didn't know Andre the Giant really, I mean he showed up in AWA, but I... You know, I was a kid, like, I didn't really remember things. I just watched it when it was on, you know? So I probably vaguely knew who Andre the Giant was, but it didn't. he didn't register with me. I definitely knew Hulk Hogan. I definitely remembered Hulk Hogan, Rocky Three. You know, um, I knew Hulk Hogan from Rocky Three more than I know from wrestling, for sure, even though he started in AWA. Or, well, he started in WF, but he got famous in AWA. Um, but, by, yeah, so by WrestleMania Three, I'm, like, right back into it and watching every week. And then I had a VCR, so I was taping it and watching it and i would watch it over and over again over the week so that a lot of those rest those superstars that were one hour squash matches i watched those things like four or five times a week because it was all the wrestling you had um there were other shows but we didn't get them here and then it, and then i started buying wrestling magazines around that time and then i think it was a couple of years later when the we were getting mids uwf which was an offshoot in the nwa at the time like it started out as a different company but um i think the uh, NWA owners bought it, and so they were showing. It. So that's the first time I got to see Ric Flair, and the Rock and Roll Express, and Lex Luger, and Barry Windham, and um, you know the Four Horsemen. It just opened up a new world for me, and I still like the WWF better, but I really like this new group too. And so I I couldn't wait for them to show up in Winnipeg, and they did. They did one show in Winnipeg. I think it was 1991, and they it was they started advertising in '87. And they just kept pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. And then finally, I was like 91 when I saw it. And it was, um, and the funny thing, I mentioned this on my podcast last night. Um, it was J.J. Um, Dillon was Ric Flair's manager. And he, Ric Flair was defending the world title against Lux Luger. And Luger was winning. He had him in the torture rack. And then J.J. Dillon ran in. And guess what he did? He hit him with his shoe. <laughs> and and he cut him open and and he, Ric Flair was DQ'd and Lex Luger won but Ric Flair got to keep the title and then last night JJ Dillon had a shoe again so it was that was a nice throwback and and I really liked that. So this but, yeah. was this yeah, just before but, Flair just before Flair yeah, left, I'm guessing. Yeah, it would left. have been right before he went to WWF. Yeah, probably probably early 91 or maybe even late 90 but right around that time. Because I was actually he won the title no, he lost the title to Bret Hart in Canada. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and That's I was at a TV too, yeah. taping the next day, and we didn't know that Ric Flair had lost the title. And they never even said it. So it wasn't until we watched TV the next week 
that we saw it and we had been at a taping and they never mentioned it once um, that Ric Flair had won the title the night before in Saskatoon because it hadn't aired on TV yet. So what are your sort of viewing habits now? I know you watch Dynamite every Wednesday and you, you typically watch NXT like the, the same night or like the next day or something? Well, so only recently were we able to get NXT live here. Um, well, that's right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah so um, I used to have to wait till it showed up on the network 24 hours later. Um, now it's live, but I'm watching Dynamite live. So, and I don't have cable, so I don't have a PVR, but... Um, the app that I use to watch it, it's called Sportsnet, and so they have on-demand viewing. So I, as soon as the show's over, I can watch the on-demand version. So I've been watching it. Usually, so what happens is I watch Dynamite, and then I put my daughter to bed, and then I record a podcast with Parker, and then I chill out, listen to some music, play some video games, and I usually start watching NXT at like midnight. And, um, and I get through it in just under 90 minutes usually, but they cut off the end. Uh, of Dynamite, like so I always miss the last five minutes because it just showed two hours. So when the two hours is up, the show just cuts. Then in the middle of a match, it just cuts. It's like, it drives me nuts. Hopefully they'll get that figured out soon. But um, I, uh, so I usually go on YouTube and then you can usually find the main event on YouTube somewhere. And I watch that. So, um, yeah, and so I watch that. I watch, I've been watching Raw um, since the Rumble. It's not been too bad. It's not great, but it's better than it was when I stopped watching, which was last year uh, after the horror show at Extreme Rules. Um, I've been watching SmackDown for a while, um, and it's pretty good, although lately it hasn't been very great. I started watching Impact uh, just after the AEW invasion, and I get watch that on demand, so you get through it in like 90 minutes. And a lot of this stuff I'm watching, it's in, on in the background. Like I'm not paying super close attention to it, but you know sometimes I even fall asleep. But I, I do try to make a point of watching it. Um, when I started watching Impact, unfortunately, I didn't have time for Dark anymore, um, which was kind of a nice show to watch. It's just matches, and it's guys that you don't see on Dynamite. So it's like, oh, where's Matt Seidel? Oh, he's winning a match every week on Dynamite. <laughs> um, you know, and, and there's some other guys that, you know, that... And it's I really like, like, when I do watch, I usually see one or two people, and it's like, I like that guy. I like that guy. And then, you know, maybe a month later, they show up on Dynamite. And so uh, Bear Country was, was a group like that. Um, that Nick Camarado that lost to John Moxley about a month ago, he, I saw him, and, and he looked great, even though he was losing. I just thought, oh, wow, that guy's going to be a star someday. Um, and uh, Ricky Starks is, you know, he's on every week, and he wins every time, and, and he's just so great. And you just don't get to see that on Dynamite. And uh, so it, it, it sucks, and I wish I had more time to watch it. I just I never think of it. Um, and I watched Being the Elite. <laughs> I, I love that show. Um, it's not really wrestling, but it's it's wrestling related, I suppose. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's probably something. I'm, like, NXT UK. I love NXT UK. I think it's the best booked show on TV, um, or you know, whatever you're streaming, whatever. Um, it's so good. Uh, the champions are so strong. The contenders are well established by the time they get to the title shots. I just love, and I love the simple storytelling, um, and the promos are great. They're all good talkers. Like I, I'm just amazed that they're not bigger stars. And I don't. I wish that show had a higher profile. And I love New Japan. I just never get to watch it. Like right now, the New Japan Cup is on, and I just don't have time for it. I, I thought no, about canceling. I, I, I saw the. Uh, um... 
what do you call it? The sort of, the sort of grid um, that uh, Garrett put up about yeah. um, you know taking part. And I, I did the G one and I, I enjoyed the G one a lot and, and taking part in that. Uh, I know you did as well. You didn't, you didn't do quite as well as I did on the uh, on, on the predictions, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'll, I'll do it because I just haven't got the time to. Well, it's over now. Like it's, yeah. the tournament started yesterday, and I mean, and my brackets busted. One of the guys I had going to the final lost in the first round. I think, I think, I don't remember, but I think I had Naito go to the finals, and they lost to the Great Ocon in the opening round. So um, apparently, like I think it was like forty-five people entered, and only eight have like after two matches, only eight of them have are still like <laughs> picked the first two matches right because of that stupid match, Great Ocon. What a joke. <laughs> and he was he was in England for a while, wasn't he? Um, I believe he was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I liked him as a young boy. Like I, I thought he looked. He reminded me of a of a young Ishii, and Ishii is one of my favorites. And I guess you know. Um, but yeah, it's not one of the questions. But he's one of my favorites now, Ishii, and uh, he reminded me a lot of him when he was a young boy. But he does not seem anything like Ishii now. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, there's a few guys on New Japan that it's like when they wrestle, like I just don't even want to watch. So like evil and I was Sonata just, I was just gonna, yeah I was just gonna say evil is one of those guys for me yeah yeah. It's, but... yeah and there's a few like obviously like I, there's a lot of guys I really like and then there's a lot of them that I just don't really care so that's why it's kind of not really going on my way to see it um, even Jay White like I just I, everyone talks about how great he is and it just bores me <laughs> so <laughs> it's like I I recognize that he's good and he's really good at getting heat. But I just, it's just not for me. And and I just don't want to sit through a 35-minute match of him stalling. You know, I that's what I grew up with. <laughs> when I talk about how bad it was, like, that was Nick Bockwinkle, you know. Um, or Larry Zabisco, oh, my God. Like, he was one of Nick Bockwinkle's rivals, and that's what he did. He just sat outside the ring the whole time and just, 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 he just stalled and stalled and stalled. And just, oh, my God. <laughs> and that's Jay White to me. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. um, we come on now to, well, I call it rapid fire questions, but it really isn't yeah. rapid fire at all. <laughs> but um, the first question is favorite wrestler of all time. So if you, if you have to pick just one favorite wrestler, who would you go? With? Um, I, I have this answer anytime I'm asked this question, and it's it, it's always the same, and it'll never change um, till I die in its own heart. Um, oh okay he, yeah because we get yeah. brett I've, I've had brett many many yeah, times I, and that's like a I good never liked brett. i on you know and i'm canadian and uh and and so the fact that owen is my favorite probably explains why i didn't like brett because when they they feuded for years and i was behind owen like i when he beat him at wrestlemania 10 like i was so happy and uh, when he turned on him at the Royal Rumble, when he kicked his leg out of his leg, yeah. I was like, yeah, Owen. You know, like, I just, I loved him. Like, I, I I tended to go for the bad guys by this point in my wrestling fandom. So, but Owen wasn't really that bad. He was just, like, the little brother that didn't get the respect he deserved. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, you think, oh, well, maybe you related to that because you were a little brother. No, I was always a big brother. Um, but I, uh, you know, I have all my siblings are much, much younger than me. Like the next one to me is eight years old, eight years younger. And then I have two that are like 11 years younger. Um, so there, I just really, really liked Owen and, and he was so, um, 
unique for his time. Like he was smaller, but not that small, especially when you look at him now. Um, but he was a high flyer, and I loved his promos. They were awkward, but that was okay. I liked that, and uh, I just, um, you know, I, I with Brett, um, I just thought he was a whiner. He started as a heel, so I never really, and he never really churned face. Like, he just kind of, people started cheering him. They started putting him against bad guys. But he was the excellence of execution. He was the best. And it was like, yeah, whatever, you know. I like perfect. And he feuded with Brett. Um, so, you know, and then, so the only time I ever liked Brett was for about six months. And it was when he joined up with the Heart Foundation again in, in 97, which is the stuff Garrett and John LaRocca are reviewing right now. And and then until Brett left for WCW, and then Brett was a trader. Yeah. Like I was a WWF guy, and he was a trader. He went to WCW, and yeah, Vince screwed him. But I took Vince's side. You know, <laughs> like he wasn't gonna drop his title. You had to get it off him. You know, like this was me. You know, although by that point I kind of like I kind of knew what was going on, and I really the other thing was Shawn Michaels was one of my favorites too, and honestly, if Owen hadn't have died, like. That's part of this, right? So, um, because Shawn Michaels was always one of my favorites, but during that time when he, when the Hart Foundation was running strong, where, right around the time he formed DX, I hated Shawn with a passion for, like, until he retired the first time. And then when he came back, by then I was over it. And then I was a really big fan of his from then on in and before that. So from 85... You know, like maybe '86 when when I first saw Shawn Michaels in in the AWA, he was actually an AWA guy, and uh, I used to watch him on ESPN. I got it on uh, when I got my I bought a cable box at the same time I bought my VCR. So we were, we were also getting AWA and ESPN in addition to the Saturday or this yeah the Saturday evening shows. So I was a fan of his from that point on. When he went to the WWF, when he was in the tag team, when he churned on Marty, like everybody probably cheered Marty, I cheered Shawn. Like, you know, so, and Sean feuded with Brett at that point, like from like 92, like when right, Brett yeah. first had the title, the first, one of his big defenses was against Sean. Yeah, Survivor Series, 92, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, and I was, I was behind Sean. Like, so I was always a Sean Michaels guy. And so until when that whole thing happened uh, with DX, and then really, like, the one that really got me was Sean, and I just, I've never hated a wrestler more in my whole life. And it was at a show that you probably remember. Oh, I, the, I know exactly where you're going to go with this. When he was, um, yeah. I, when he was when he humping was, the Canadian flag, or whatever. No, no, no <laughs> oh, not no, that. No, okay. No, no, it was the one, the show that was in UK. Um, oh, it was a, Bulldog. It, yeah, yeah, where Bulldog was supposed to win, and Bulldog and dedicated the match that, to his uh, to his sister, yeah. wasn't it? Now I didn't know that Sean, you know, kind of pulled rank and said, "I'm not losing to him." I didn't know that, and if I knew that, it would have hated me even more. But it was more like. Uh, like the whole storyline was Bulldog should have won, and and but Sean didn't need that title. Oh no! Like no. no, and and so and he just he was mocking him, and he was mocking the little girl, like the sister, and it just and he I just hated him. I I, I just I think I was even throwing things at my TV. Like that's how. And I, I'm 26 at this point. Like I'm not a little kid, and uh, but I hated him so much, and then. So right up until Survivor Series, so that was kind of torn there, because like you know, and then and then Brett leaves, but I still don't like Sean. So, uh, but I kind of like I think even leading up to the match with Stone Cold at WrestleMania, like I was kind of 
I was secretly getting a kick out of the DX stuff, but I wasn't, you know, like when they were doing, you know, the Sean was doing all the jokes with China, and uh, I still there's a when they air the thing at the beginning of shows, and they'll say viewer discretion is advised. I'll often say and completely ignored because that's what Sean would say after the warning on on WWF <laughs> yeah. at the time, and I still say it to this day. Um, you know, because they would just push the button and, and go as far as they could with the sensors. I bought the videotape that they did that had like, ooh, nudity on it. You know, I think it was one boob. And it was like, yeah, I paid like 30 bucks for that tape so I could see a, a flash of a boob. <laughs> but, you know, it was before the internet. So, well, I guess the internet was around by that point, but we probably didn't have it. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I it's Owen. Uh, you know, uh, and it'll always be Owen, but but I will say like Shawn Michaels is right there too. Um, and actually, my very best friend Doug, who's a member of the group, but he's not very active. Um, at one point, he wanted to make me a, a compilation tape for my birthday of matches, and he he made me a compilation of Shawn Michaels, and because he knew that was my guy, I I had the glasses. I used to bowl. And I had the Shawn Michaels Heartbreak Kid glasses, and I would do like the strut when I was going to bowl at, uh, on on a bowling team. Like uh, it was like a summer league, and it was just for fun. Eh? And we drink, and you know, the more drinks I get, the more uh, you know I get into the Shawn Michaels character. <laughs> and I would do the Public Enemy dance, you know, the Cabbage Patch, like na 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 na, you know, that whole thing, WCW. Yeah. So. That's great. Good times. I mean, Owen. <laughs> Owen was so ahead of his time as well. If you, if you go back and watch his matches, I mean, it's kind of like the template for a lot of how guys work now. Yeah. It really yeah. is. I mean, he was he, he doesn't get the credit, unfortunately, because he was always so much in Brett's shadow. But in many ways, he was the best overall performer of any of the hearts, I think, really, when you, when you think about it. He was probably a more complete performer than Brett. Brett was a better technical wrestler. But mm-hmm. Owen was a far more dynamic performer in the ring. Yeah, Brett was obviously a better promo. Um, you know, he had better size. So, you know, I, you know, enough times passed, I can look at it objectively and see that. And I, I totally understand why he was pushed ahead of Owen. Like, I don't, I don't um, begrudge, you know, WWF for not pushing him more. In fact, in a way, it probably increased my interest in him because it, it was kind of like I was rooting for the underdog. Um, I wanted him to get pushed, so when he finally did, like when he had that feud with Brett, like that's why it was so easy to get behind him because it was a guy I'd loved for, you know, seven years by that point. Um, like I followed him. We used to get Stampede Wrestling too at, for a little while um, on TSN, which is a sports station. This would have been like '87, '88, and that's when he was starting. So he had a tag team with um, Brian Pillman for a while yeah. uh, and with his brother Bruce. And then he had some really great matches with Hirohasi and Gama Singh. Um, but yeah, like, you know, and when you talk about, like, you mentioned Kenny Omega earlier. Like, uh, I see a lot of parallels between Owen Hart and Absolutely. Kenny Omega. Yeah. 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 Like, they, they're probably the same size. Like, probably. it's a similar yeah. build, even. You know, um, Kenny's a little more cut, but I think Owen could have been. Owen was a big guy. Like, I met him once, and I, I would have been. 23, so like 94, and he was at a hotel, or a, a motel actually in Winnipeg, I guess they were there for here for a show, and he was going to work out, and so I saw Scott Hall too, and when I met him, when I saw him, I was surprised, like he was bigger than me, 
I'm not a big guy, but I've had people ask me if I'm in the business. So, you know, I'm not small either. And I put on a little weight, but back then, you know, I had really broad shoulders and basically do a lot of push-ups. So um, I had people tell me at the time, oh, yeah, you could get in the business, you can get in the business. I'm like, no, I'm too small. I can't do that. And plus, I have a bleeding disorder, so it wouldn't have gone very well anyways. But um, but at that time, like, I was, he was bigger than me. And so I, I was surprised at that because I just assumed he was smaller. I assumed that Brett was probably the same size as me, you know, because you see these guys on TV and everyone's huge. So, and I was shocked at how big Scott Hall was like, when I saw him. Yeah, Scott Hall is huge, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's like six, six, five, legit, probably. Six, four, maybe, but, and, but massive, you know, like wide shoulders, like huge muscles. And he was in his peak at the time. He was razor one, right? So. Right. Yeah, the yeah. thing the thing with Owen too is obviously he died in in ninety nine, and you look yeah. at the guys that came in, you know, Jericho came in, yeah, like a month or so, yeah, you know, a month or two months later, and then you have obviously had Benoit, Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Kurt Angle obviously came in. I mean, he would have had all these great matches that he would have had. Know. It's so Agent Christian, yeah, Agent Christian. Like, I think he did actually work. I think he worked a little bit of Legend Christian didn't he, towards the end. Uh, um, they were they were just like um, uh, dark matches, like never on TV. I don't think, but, uh, uh, because maybe yeah. maybe um, yeah, because he was tag team champs with Jarrett uh, right before he died. So yeah, they might have because I think Edge debuted in '98. So yeah, they might have worked a little bit together. But Angle debuted like Angle was doing dark matches at the time he died. Jericho came in a couple months later. Yeah, even like Big Show, like I bet you he could have tagged with. Big oh, I'm Show. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, like he, he had a great and, team with Yokozuna, yeah. which doesn't oh, get talked about very most, much. No, one of the most underrated teams of all time, I think. Um, well, know, I kind of like just, that sort of mismatch because obviously yeah. Jericho and Big Show would be another example. Uh, yep. I love I love the dynamic of Owen and, and Yokozuna. I thought they, they worked so well together as a team, and obviously. Yeah, it's just it's just so tragic. Do you, I take it you saw the Dark Side of the Ring episode that was done? Oh yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, um, I mean, I was watching that pay per view with, with my friend Doug, who I talked about a little bit earlier, and we, you know, when we watched it, I mean, at the time, like, and if you remember, like, they were doing that the um, the Blue Blazer gimmick, but it wasn't always Owen. Like, we were supposed to believe it was Owen all the time, but there were times when it clearly wasn't Owen because sometimes Owen would appear on screen right. with the Blue Blazer. Yeah. So at the time, like when it happened, my first thought was, well, hopefully it wasn't Owen, you know, like maybe it was somebody else in the costume. And then it was like, well, maybe it's an angle, you know, and then it's like, you know, when the announcers did the somber voice. Now, if I that think, happened now, I think when like, Jerry, they do that, yeah, they do it so often. Yeah. But I think it was yeah. Jerry Lawler. When I saw Jerry yeah. Lawler's face, I knew yeah, that something serious was up. And then we just watched the whole show, like just with our mouths wide open. And then we would always go up for coffee afterwards and talk about the show. And we did that. Except we just sat there and we're just like, I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe it. You know, and it's like, is there any possibility this is like some just sick work? You know, because by that time, we, you know, we knew that term and stuff. And I'm 28 by this point. Um, you know, that was right around the time when the internet was really exploding. But no, I mean, it was just, it was what it was. And then, you know, uh, you know, and then, you know, and that was right after that is like, you just it started happening all the time. Like, not in the ring, obviously, but. You know, like a couple every couple months, you know, somebody would die. Rick Rude and you know, like Bam Bam Bigelow and all these guys, and and then you know, like Eddie, like oh my goodness, like when Eddie died, I was like a gut punch, 
and and then Benoit like that yeah. and then like I said earlier like that's when I just like I can't I can't handle this anymore like and and I can't I can't because after Eddie died they promised changes and then the changes never came you know and then it's, Benoit happened yeah, yeah. It took, and, sadly it took the Benoit thing to happen yeah. for it to change and yeah and that's yeah. twelve years ago now and or fourteen years ago. fourteen years yeah yeah and and I think like it's definitely better now. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, like, obviously the guys aren't completely clean, but they're not doing what they used to do, and, and you know, they're obviously not doing the chair shots anymore, and, and it's a lot safer. I mean, WWE, you can say a lot about them, and I do, but um, it's it's a lot safer. And, uh, yeah. and, I mean, I don't think it's as good either, but I'll take that sacrifice, you know, um, if it means that the guys can live a longer, healthier, normal life, and we're not seeing these guys dropping dead at 40 you know, uh, which is way too young. I'm 50 now, you know, like how many of these guys died before they're the age I am right now? And they had kids, you know, and, you know, I've got a grandkid now and some of these people would have had grandkids and they never got to see yeah, the grandkids. It's, so. it's, it's, a, it's a sort of, um, I don't know what the word is, horrifying statistic yeah. that a lot of, um, obviously wrestlers had died before the age of 40 and there was like a, a long list of them and, and it was said that, you know, the only other profession where you would have lost so many of your peers was if you were in the military. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, like World War Two or something, like, you know, the amount of soldiers that died. And then, like, I think even if you expanded it to 50, like, the number was, was super high. And, like, 50 is not that old. <laughs> you know, I'm there. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, when I, was, when I was 25, I thought 50 was ancient. But, uh, you know, I hope I have at least another 30... 35 years ahead of me. Uh, favorite match of all time? What would that be? Okay, and this, yeah, this is another one I, I have to think about a lot. Um, now, and I, 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 the wording favorite is key because I wouldn't necessarily say it, it was, was the best, the yeah. best <laughs> match of all time. Yeah. So I, somebody just asked this question in, in a group um, uh, down the queue, our friend. Um, and he's, I think it was him. And, no, it, you know, it was that idiot. Uh, <laughs> Land, I'm not going to say the name now because uh, I don't want to offend him. But... We, can, we can edit that bit out. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was our good friend. <laughs> um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. His first name is Lan. Uh, <laughs> and he said, if you had to be locked in a room and could only watch one match, what would it be? And I said, uh, Bret Hart and Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. I think that was my favorite match of all time. Yeah. Like, that to me... No, you know, what am I saying? Yeah, other people said that and I liked it. It's Brett and Owen at WrestleMania 10. Like, I don't even yeah. know why I just said what I said. I, I think Owen. I prefer that you match, You can leave too. that in. You can, Like, I love yeah. that other match, too. But it's Brett and Owen at WrestleMania 10. I've watched that match a hundred times, and it never gets old. No, um, I, lo I love I that just... match. That's one of my favorite feuds of all time as well, Brett yeah. and Owen. The, the, I, the, the cage match... Um, that they had the rematch at SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, we, my buddy Doug and I would get all the pay-per-views and I'm going to tell him to listen to this and he'll listen to it because I think it's free, right? So he'll, he'll listen to it yeah. if it's free. Uh, <laughs> he, um, he won't listen to my podcast. Uh, but uh, he, we, we would get all the pay-per-views and we'd order them ahead of time. And for some reason, no, we had ordered this one ahead of time and then the show's about to start and it's not on. And we're like panicking. Like, this is, like, pay-per-views were once a month, and it was one company. Like, we didn't get the WCW ones. And 
I we started panicking and we started foaming around. Are there bars? Are there here? Or there? Well, this place we think is. We drive there and they're not showing it. And then we here and no, they're not. So we finally found a diner that was showing the the pay per view, and we we had to sit there. We had to buy dinner in order to sit there and watch it, but we did. That's and we probably went to four or five different places and spent an hour. We got there just when the cage match was starting, and if I'm remembering right. I don't think it was the main event. No, because it was Undertaker versus Undertaker. Taker versus yeah. Taker. Yeah, and then so we had to sit through that match too. Uh, but the only one we wanted to see was Bretton <laughs> Owen. But and thankfully, we were... I think that match was cut short because didn't Bret and Owen go long? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. And um, and we marked out uh, because of... Uh, we marked out, bro, um, because of uh, Bulldog coming back. And he looked super cool. Like, he had the dreadlocks at that time that he never had before, and he was dressed in like uh jeans and uh maybe no shirt or if he had a shirt it was like super tight and he just looked like just so massive and we're like oh my god bulldogs looks awesome and uh and yeah and we just we at the time like i was a big owen fan but i knew he wasn't winning you know like i knew brad had to win but it was a good match it was a really good match i think dave Meltzer gave it five stars um, and uh, I didn't really care. I didn't know stars at that time. I just knew I really liked the match, and I really hated the the, uh, the next one, the Taker versus Taker. That was so awful. But it was uh, it was a thumbs up for me for that uh, Brett Owen match. The only good thing about Taker versus Taker was the uh, the Leslie Nielsen. Uh, yes, Les- Leslie Nielsen. Who I can't remember the other guy's name now. Um, oh, the, the older guy. Like yeah, um, I can't remember his name. I yeah. think he passed away. Like George he- Kennedy. That, I think I think that's it. Yeah, but th- those skits of them searching for Undertaker yeah. were great. But um, they were both in Naked Gun, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I never saw any of those movies, believe it or not. That's a whole other conversation we can have. <laughs> There's so many movies. Uh, you got to get Damian Gonzalez on the show sometime. He's he's a super cool wrestling fan, and he always bugs me about the movies I haven't seen. Uh, Dar- Darren Wadsworth is the go-to guy on, on movies. Oh, so he's yeah, a, yeah. I love that dude. I don't think he likes me. But I really like <laughs> I I uh, met him in Vegas. He he was like me. He came to the Vegas convention knowing nobody, and just showed up. And and we kind of hit it off. Like he would go a week early and just hang out by himself, because um, he liked to do that. And then everyone else would come, and then he'd hang out with his friends, and then he'd stay a couple days late. So this one year, I went early, and then we got together and we had uh, lunch. I got to know him a little bit, and, and Darren's a super nice guy, super cool. I uh, I. You know, I'd lay down in front of a bus for that guy. Best show you ever attended live, what would that be? That would be NXT TakeOver Dallas. Easy answer for me. That was uh, Shinsuke and Sami Zayn. That was... Oh, the uh, one before Mania, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. American Alpha and the Revival. Um, Asuka, I think it was a three-way? Asuka and Bailey. I think uh, for sure. Maybe it was only just Askan Bailey. And then Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, I believe. And then the other car, the other match was Austin Aries and Baron Corbin. Like, I bet you I'm completely right on that. Um, and I did that off the top of my head without looking it up. Like, that's how clearly I remember that, that show. And I actually made... There was... Um, there was a documentary series that was on the on the network for a while, and it was basically going over the in, the NXT talents. Uh, it's like a behind the scenes kind of thing. I can't remember what it's called, but it, it, it was like 2016, 2017. It aired. Baron Corbin was a big part of it, um, and 
they they and they went over like these guys getting called up and stuff like that. But anyways, the I made the broadcast. Like my, you see my head in uh, cheering during the Bailey match. Um, I think I'm just starting a chant Bailey, and I actually started. And Jeff Hawkins, who's in the group, can back me up because he was there um, when they would do the one, two, and I go sweet. I was the first one to do that. Um, and <laughs> Jeff, and it caught on. And Jeff can because nobody was doing it before I started doing it. And Jeff Jeff was there. He saw it. He he remember he can back me up. And he's a SoCal guy. So shortly after that, it carried over into PWG, and that's where it got big. And uh, unfortunately, because <laughs> it's annoying, <laughs> I was the first one to do it. Um, so I'm by myself chanting, and he's looking at me. What are you doing? Because <laughs> he was sitting beside me, we were in the back row on the floor, um, watching that show, and it was it was so much fun. I loved it. Yeah, I've just pulled up the card, and yeah, it's exactly as you said. Yeah, it was Bailey and uh, Asker in a singles match. Okay, um, so there was yeah. no triple threat at all. There was no triple threat. No, no. Okay, okay. So yeah, I I, I don't know why I thought it was a triple threat, but uh, I think they might have done a triple threat after that at some point. I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, the card was really good. Even the Austin Aries Baron Corbin match was was decent. It was probably three stars. Um, you know, probably, well, easily the best Baron Corbin match I ever seen live for sure, and maybe the best one I ever saw. Period. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, all those matches, those other four, like every one of them, the the atmosphere for the Sami Zayn Nakamura match was uh, nothing I've ever seen or heard in my life. Like live, other than Conor McGregor UFC fight in Vegas. That was the only other thing that was better in terms of atmosphere, and the only other one that was close was when um, Anderson Silva got knocked out by Chris Weidman. I was there live too, and that just, uh, but it was that was an instantaneous like just pop, right. whereas the Conor McGregor thing was just sustained, and that's what the Sami Zayn Nakamura thing was. It was like from the second the opening uh, strands of Sami Zayn or Nakamura, whichever one came out first. <laughs> Because the fans were singing both their tunes, they were chanting for both of them. Probably right. had a both these guys chant at some point, but um, you know, let's go Sammy, let's go Shinsuke. You know, like the whole match, like it just never stopped. And then the the FTR um, uh, American Alpha match was was incredible. Like in terms of in ring, it was right. better than Shinsuke Sammy. Yeah, I mean, like, the, I think at that time the tag wrestling in NXT was. My, my highlight of the show every every time oh, because ridiculous. Yeah, I, so I loved good. I loved both. Of, you know, obviously Gable is the most underrated guy, one of the most underrated guys they've got, and mm -hmm. it's such a it's so sad to see what's happened with Jason Jordan. I, I hope that one day he might be able to get back in the ring. I I don't know what the latest is with that, but um, yeah, it was it was so sad to see his career possibly yeah. cut short because you know both of those guys are great. Yeah, until until I until the first double or nothing, the that that tag match would have been the best match I ever saw live, and then the Cody Dustin match at uh, double or nothing was that beat that, and it's real close for the best show I've ever seen live. Um, but I just I really really like that takeover. But it, I mean it was I was John Lockley literally walked right beside me. Um, in the in the stands, like I was, it was my sister was on the aisle, and I was next to my sister, and John Moxley walked right past us, like when he when he came out, and it was a shock, like we didn't know he was going to be there, and I'm going crazy, and my sister's looking at her phone, she didn't know who John Moxley is, <laughs> she she hadn't been to a wrestling show, well she'd never been to a wrestling show, but she hadn't even watched wrestling in 20 years, and she loved the show, 
Um, but um, she didn't know who John Moxley was. The only guys she knew on the show were Jericho and uh, Goldust, Dustin. <laughs> like, right. and, and she knew Cody because he was Dustin's brother. Like, that's it. Yeah, that's all she knew. And But she loved the show. She loved Hangman. Like, she just couldn't stop talking about Hangman all weekend. Oh, like, he's going to be... He's going to yeah. be the, the future top guy, I yeah. think. I think well, he's going to be the guy to beat Omega. This is yeah. like when people are complaining that he wasn't getting used properly. And, and I didn't see it. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about, Hangman? Like, I liked him in ROH, and then I just thought he kind of stalled in AEW um, a bit at the beginning. But, I mean, now you see it. Like, I mean, and it's, you know... It's too bad. There's no fan because I think he, I think he'd be like so huge right I'm now. I'm sure he would. Yeah. Would, yeah. When they start running full arenas again, like I think that's when we see his real big push. But I think with, with Hangman, one of my favorite matches that he's had, and it doesn't get talked about a lot. I think I mentioned it on the in the fight game group earlier on today. Is the match he had with Frankie Kazarian on Dynamite. Oh my god, um, that was so good. It was a really really good match. Yeah. yeah. Um, even the one he had a couple weeks ago with um, Isaiah Cassidy was, yeah, was, that was really good. good. Yeah. I mean, the Kazarian one was better, for sure. I mean, Kazarian is so underrated. Oh, he is, because uh, everyone was talking about, oh, we didn't realise how good Kazarian was. Like, well, where have you been? Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's been great for, for years, but I guess they always think of him as a tag guy with Daniels. But Well, he's been around forever. Like, I mean, he was at the beginning of TNA. Remember, he was Frankie the Future Kazarian. Yeah. He was in WWE for a while. Um, he was like the king of uh, velocity. Um, for like two years, I think I felt like yeah, like you saw him every week on there, and he was winning matches. He was getting pushed. Um, never like made it to the main roster, I don't think. But he he was on Velocity, and then you know, and then ROH, and yeah, it's yeah, um, he's yeah, super underrated guy, and and he still got it. Like you know, he never lost it. <laughs> you still got it. No, you never lost it, buddy. Um, yeah, I uh, oh, I could go on. I just. Uh, I love AEW. I really do. You know, and, and I'm so happy to be doing a, a show about them right now. And uh, but but I mean, I still like, I still want WWE to be good. And if WWE was good, I it would be my favorite, and I'd be rooting for them against AEW. Um, and so I'm not necessarily even like, even though I love AEW, like I want NXT to beat them every week. I want them to beat them. They never do. And I still love AEW, but, you know, sorry, my good personal friend, Tony Khan, I, I'm rooting for NXT. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> I mean, we could we could talk for hours. We really could. Oh, but um, okay. the final question I ask everyone is, um, in many ways, it's the hardest question because there's so many ways you can go at it. Uh, but the question is, if you could change one thing, about the wrestling business, what would it be? So how would you go about answering that question? Well, I mean, I, if you want one thing, and I think it's one thing that they could do fairly easily, and I think it would be a super improvement, um, is I, I would let the guys cut their own promos. Um, you know, no scripts. I mean, you have scripts for, like, scenarios and match layout times and everything like that, and maybe even give them, you know, like, not even bullet points, because I think that's getting too close to script writing, but okay, you want to go out there and you want to talk about your upcoming match with so-and-so. Just let them talk, you know? And use that time at the PC to teach them how to talk. But don't hand them a script and make them read it. Don't use a stupid verbiage, um, because that just takes you out of it. And then as soon as you're out of it from the promo, you're out of it for the match. And that's what we see in AEW. You see the guys do their own promos, talk for themselves. And we see it occasionally in WWE. 
like Kevin Owens. Um, we saw it with MVP and Bobby Lashley this weekend, uh, I, or this week on Raw. Like I, I've mentioned it a few times in our group. Like there was a backstage thing where MVP was frustrated and he said, "This is bullshit, Shane." And then, and then Lashley's like, "I just want to get my hands on him and beat the piss out of him." And it's like, okay, that's how these guys would actually talk. So I can yeah. actually believe this yeah. now. Like obviously, I know, you know, like I know what's the show and whatever. But even on TV shows, like they're talking like real people. You know, when you watch. This is us, or um, the Blacklist, or you know, like nine nine one one, like all my favorite shows. Like they're talking like real people. They're not talking like some robot was programmed by Stephanie McMahon. You know, um, so that's what I think. What I would do if I could. Yeah, um, I think that's a. Know, that's made... a sorry, I'm just going to say that's a, that's a regular sort of criticism of, of WWE yeah. is that the verbiage they use is. People just don't speak like that in in everyday life. Yeah. You know that's that's the biggest one, of the biggest criticisms. And yeah, I, I do think that um, if you gave the guys, you know, the power to sort of cut their own promos, and it, it would be far more. Uh, what's the word? You know, it, 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 you could believe it a lot more because it's coming from them. You know, it's not something right. that someone's written for them that that's being handed to them to to say. Um, that's why CM Punk, I think, translated so yeah. well. Yeah, even I, Daniel Bryan, yeah. you know, and Kevin Owens. Like, I think that's why he's way more popular than his push, because people can believe him. He talks about his grandpa. He talks about his kids. He, you know, like, and he uses words that actual people use, as opposed to his buddy Sami Zayn, who is playing a character and playing words that, saying words that are written for him. And the thing is, like, you talk about like they're 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 writing their own promos, but they're still in their own characters, but you know what? These guys are invested in their characters. So Kevin Owens, the character, the wrestler, is not necessarily Kevin Steen. You know, like right. Kevin Steen, yeah. the guy at home, I have no idea what that guy is. I assume that he is the guy that I see in those promos, and it's easier to get behind him when he is, and that's fine. I don't need to know who the real Kevin Steen is. I didn't need to know who the real Mr. McMahon is. I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I'm sure... You know, he plays with his grandkids. Like, you know, I, I think I, he probably does. You know, people say a lot of nice things about him. He, you know, he goes out of his way to help people a lot of times. Um, you know, like all this stuff that you don't, you hear the bad stuff. You don't hear the good stuff. But then there was that character that I think people bought into. And even Stephanie McMahon, you know, like, I bet you she's a really nice woman. But you hear all the bad stuff. And you see that fake smile. And, and you see, you know, these, these terrible words that nobody would ever say. I think Triple H, you do get, he seems a little more real, like a lot of the stuff he says, especially when he's in NXT, as opposed to like, you know, on, on Raw or SmackDown. Um, so, you know, I know they can do it, and and they used to do it. So I don't know why they do it the way they do now, but I, and then and the thing that really worries me is, you know, people talk about, oh, well, when Vince dies, everything's going to change, and it's like, well, no, because... Triple H and Stephanie are going to be running this, and I think a lot of this is starting with Stephanie, unfortunately. So uh, yeah. I, I don't know how much she'll be involved in creative or script writing or the vision of the company, but but you know until something changes, like as much as we like AEW and, and we do, um, WWE is like so big, you know, like they're worldwide. They're you know like you know even in Japan like they you know they got fans and and if you're watching wrestling chances are like the first thing anybody's going to think of is WWE and until yeah. we can change that I mean, it's it's going to be hard to change anything else I bet you the you know Jericho and and Moxley guys like that they still get asked when are you going to wrestle again yeah. 
because yeah. people yeah. still only think of WWE as being like the only game in town because it has been the only game in town for for like 20 years it was 20 years ago yeah. WCW went out of business so well and and you know that the joke was that Rob Van Dam used to get asked that when he was like TNA champion and the fact is is TNA had twice as many people watching them as they're watching Dynamite right now um you know like they were they people joked about how when they went up against Raw on Monday night and they got creamed but you know what they did two million viewers which is double what Dynamite does on its best day and that was against Raw so um, you know, and, and now these guys are on Dynamite, on TNT. Now, the fact is they are on TNT, which is a little more high-profile, and they're really big with the younger fans. So I do think it's a little more relevant than Impact is was, TNA was. Yeah. But, but your point remains. Like, I bitch, there's a lot of people that have no idea. I you do know, wrestling that. is Monday night, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do see AEW starting to make some of the same mistakes that Impact made in so much as... I don't know how many ex WWE guys you want to bring in. I mean, obviously, they, they just brought in Paul White. They're obviously heavily hinting that someone's going to debut at Revolution this Sunday. I mean, how how many more ex guys can you bring in at this point? I think I think Sting has been overexposed as well. Uh, that, that's my major sort of criticism of AEW because I, I I do watch it, I do enjoy it, but there is a line that they're. They're not crossing that line, but they're definitely veering. They're, they're veering in that direction, yeah. I was really, really afraid because I listened to Wrestling Observer Radio um, just this afternoon, like maybe an hour or two before we recorded, and I had and Dave was very much hinting that it was going to be Christian, you know, Jay Riso, that is the name Paul White was talking about, and I was like, oh man, if they do that, like that is so TNA. But apparently, I guess people heard that, and now. WWE has said like Christian's under contract to them, so he is under contract now. So it's not Christian, uh, it's not CM Punk, it's not Batista. Those guys have gone on the record as saying it's not me. So the name that I was hinting at in the thread, and I'm not going to say who it is here, but um, it doesn't seem like it's going to be who I thought it was either. I, I reached out, and the person that I got that information from said the person that I think it was is coming in at some point, but it's not this soon. And it's not who they were talking about because this is like a multi-year signing that's coming in. And the guy that I was talking about is only going to be for a year. Um, right. But the guy I was talking about was not a WWE guy. So I, that's why I was really hoping. And it was a name that was going to blow people away. So, um, but it, I think we're back. To, and I'm, I hope it's not Kurt Angle. But that's what I'm starting to think it is. Yeah, I, I love. I mean, I love Kurt Angle, but yeah, I mean, he's he's not going to mean anything at this stage of the game, really. No, you know, if you, yeah, if you look at his matches in WWE, I mean, they were not, they were not great matches, you know. But, no. but I Kurt, hope it's Brock. Like that. I mean, that's what I really hope it's Brock. Um, but I, you know, a guy that I know that knows Brock really well says he doesn't think Brock would leave his his farm right now. Uh, he's in Canada. Um, and, and he's safe <laughs> and he probably doesn't really want to go to Florida right now so but it's possible you know it's possible he could agree to a deal and then just show up when things are normal and, and you know they could put up a graphic they could even play his music um, they they can buy the rights to Brock's music because it's owned by Jim Johnson who doesn't work for WWE anymore so even if Brock goes back yeah. to WWE they're going to have to either give him new music or they're going to have to buy the music from Jim Johnson so um, the music is a free agent too <laughs> which is interesting because you can imagine that that opening strand of that music play how like oh, the yeah. internet would explode 
Like, you know, and then you put up a, a graphic, Brock Lesnar is all elite. Oh my God. I mean, they could even, I mean, it's not going to be CM Punk, but I mean, they could even buy the rights to cult personality. I mean, that's yeah, not, yeah. obviously that's not owned by WWE. Well, if they, well, if they did that, I mean, they better be CM Punk. You know, you're not going to bring, <laughs> have a cult of personality and then, you know, bring out, uh, you know, I don't know, like Mark Henry. Yeah, like, um, you know, you can't do that. Um, it's got to be somebody big, you know. Uh, I even, somebody, well, oh, it was our, our friend Oliver, who you got to get on the show, by the way, Oliver Kopp. Um, he, uh, he had, his idea was that they tease that it's Frank Mirror. And then, you know, Frank comes out, and then while he's there, they play the video of Brock signing a contract. And then, you know, like, Frank Mirror's face, you know, or something like that. Like and so it's it's a bait and switch kind of thing, but a good bait and switch. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I joked, oh maybe that's a sign Marina, Sable. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. I mean, what happens? Yeah, uh, but... I think it's going to be big though. I really do. That really is. Um, I mean, to be honest yeah. with you, that's kind of like the most the, the most intriguing part of of Sunday for me because, as I was saying in my uh, post the other day, this this is probably the the coldest I felt about a. AEW pay-per-view I mean obviously we, we both share the same thoughts on the <laughs> on the main event but that aside I mean even like you know Young Bucks against Jericho and MJF I mean there's there's so many other teams I would have put against the Young Bucks before Jericho and MJF and I mean you know Kip Sabian and um, yeah. Miro against uh, Orange Cassidy and 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 Chuck, I, mean, I wouldn't even want to say that much on Dynamite, let alone on pay-per-view. So, yeah, it's not really... The show's not... I'll still Hangman. watch it, and I'll probably enjoy the show. But, yeah, Hangman and Matt Hardy doesn't yeah. really do it for me. Hangman's great, but I'm not sure about Matt at this stage of the game. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll watch the show, and I'll probably enjoy it. But um, the, the Battle Royal, for me, is, is I'm looking forward to, and the, the ladder match. And the ladder match, yeah. Um, so, I mean, both of these are matches for a title shot which AW does a little too much, I think. But I do enjoy the matches. It's just I think they're going to the well a little too often. So it's just a month ago we had a battle well for a tag team battle shot. We're doing it again already. Um, but I, it'll be great. Um, there's a lot of great teams in there. Um, their battle royals are really good. Uh, I will say that. And then the ladder match can't help but be good with the, with the guys you have in there. I mean, I don't know about Kobe and Scorpio Sky, but... Um, I have a theory on Scorpio Sky. I brought it up on our podcast. I think he's going to be the leader of the Four Horsemen um, with um, with uh, FTR and Sean Spears. Um, oh, but yeah. we'll see if that plays out because uh, he was acting a little heelish on commentary last night. So and and Spears and uh, him have that history. So we'll see. And he's a guy that I think they've underutilized. Also, we're going off on a bit of a tangent, but do you do you foresee? Ray Phoenix still being in that match? Do you reckon he'll be the? Obviously, there's still someone to be announced. Do you think? Well, Ray... isn't he? No, because isn't he in the tag? He's in the battle royal, right? I was he in the battle uh, royal. Oh, uh, with, yeah. uh, with Pack, I suppose. With Pac, yeah. yeah. So I, I guess, um, I thought, like, I even said on my show, like, so I'm not going to go back on what I said on my show. I said I thought it was going to be Matt Seidel. Um, I've seen Ethan Page, uh, ranting about, and then Dave on his show said that it's a new guy coming in, so that would that would take out Matt Seidel. Um, so Ethan Page seems to fit there, although I wouldn't necessarily think he'd fit as part of the ladder match, but, um, I don't know who else that's coming in that you put in there. I mean, there's obviously a lot of guys that are uh, out there and available, but, um, I don't know if they, maybe Zack Ryder, like, 
I don't know. Uh, Sammy Guevara would be a good pick for that match. Oh yeah, because I, he's he's not yeah. been around lately. But I don't so. know if that would classify as someone that's you know out kind of thing. Maybe even like an Ace Austin from Impact. Um, oh, he's really good. Really yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm interested. Like that's the thing, right? Like um, I don't. I'm not expecting much from that. You know, surprise. But I am expecting something from the Paul White surprise. I don't think you can debut a character like that and have him promise a big surprise and not have it be a big surprise. Otherwise, he's he's DOA right out of the gate. Like, if he promised something big and, and it doesn't pay off, like, that's... With this audience, like, that's not on Tony Khan, that's on Paul White. Like, they're going to they're gonna turn on Paul White for that, I think, even though it's not fair. Um, I, I think it's a unique audience, um, and they love Tony Khan, you know? He, he's a good dude. <laughs> no, he you is. can't love Tony Khan. <laughs> Paul, uh, it's been absolute pleasure to have you on the this show this is great um, this is great i've really really enjoyed it and we've been going like a lot longer than we thought we were going to but yeah that's... i apologize for that i know it's late where you no, are that's not that's not a bad thing at all but I, I do want to quickly before we get out of here um sort of plug your 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 podcast on on, on the patreon so you're now doing yeah. is, it, is it two shows now on the patreon yeah yeah so as I tell people, Fight Game Media, you can Google that, and there's there's a website, and we have articles up there all the time, and I have a couple articles a week, and the big one, I think, the most popular is the one about ratings, so I'm doing that for free. You can read that anytime you want, just go up there, and then if you like it, and if you want to support the good writers there, then consider supporting the Patreon, so on the $3 tier, $3 US, um, which I think, you know, in the UK, it's like two fifty, right? Um, right. Yeah. You can get, you can get um, about Oh, five shows a week, including the one I do with Parker Klein, which is uh, the Dynamite show. And that is like a quick 30-minute recap of Dynamite. Um, we're critical, but generally positive, I think. But if something, so far it's only been three weeks and it's mostly good, but we always have something negative to say, which we're not trying to, but we're not, we're not going to pull punches. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of other good shows on there. The Rock one is really good. If you're a big wrestling fan, I think you might like that. Two Jabronis with a podcast. Personally, I don't listen to it because I'm not a big rock guy, but I can see where big rock fans would love that show. And it's very professionally done, and those two coasts are really good. Um, and then on the $8, $7 US tier, $8, uh, yeah, it's 11 Canadian, um, that one has a show I do with Ryan Frederick, which is the In the Clinton Memory podcast. So that's a little bit longer. It's 90 minutes. Um, and then on that tier, you also get High Tension, which is a Japanese podcast. Uh, talking about Japanese wrestling. Um, and then you also get uh, conversations with John Moxley about once a month, sometimes more, uh, Dave Meltzer, um, and then Fumi Saedo, uh, big Japanese historian, is on there a lot. Uh, so a lot of really interesting shows, and there's a boxing podcast, and the flagship Viking show is on there as well. So a lot of good value for 8 bucks and yearly, I think you subscribe for the year, you get 15% off, so it would be like yeah. 80 bucks for the year. So it's a hell of a deal, and uh, for for the content that you can get, like there's more than you can listen to, honestly. Like I'm trying to listen to as much as I can, and I do maybe two shows a day. So the ones I list, the ones I'm on, and a few other ones, I, I do like. Um, and I was I try to tailor my recommendations to what I think people will like because there's so much there. So I guess if you're listening to this, you're probably a wrestling fan, and that's why I brought up the rock one. Yeah, I, I've list, I, I I always listen to Garrett and John's. Uh, raw yeah. review shows so i really enjoy them and i i am really enjoying uh you and parker who of course i had the pleasure of having both of you on after yeah. brody passed away and, and I, I really found that podcast 
because we were, we're, all three of us were still sort of reading from the news and we didn't really know how to process it. Uh, and I thought that podcast really helped in many ways. Yes, yes, it did. It very much helped. I was gonna, that was the exact phrase I was going to use. And it really put us together because uh, we were pitching ideas. We had a team meeting and uh, I brought up the fact to Garrett. I said, why don't we have a Dynamite podcast? Like, you know, like it's the most popular show on our site. And we don't even talk about it other than the one you do with John, but you talk about a whole bunch of other things on that show. And I said, we should just do like a quick 30 minute thing. People can listen to on their way to work on Thursday mornings. And, and then he's like, yeah, we should get Parker to do that. Cause he was writing the dynamite reviews for the wrestling observer. And, and I said, well, you know what? I was on the podcast with Parker and, and David Lavelle and Parker sounds really good. He sounds professional. He's got some good equipment. It sounds like, and he could probably do it. And then he reached out to him and then he said, well, you know what? He needs a co-host do you want to do it? And I'm like, oh, I guess. I said that wasn't my idea when I when I uh, proposed it, but sure, yeah, I could do a half-hour show. So we just did it. Like, it was literally, it was. we were talking about it on a Saturday, and by Wednesday, we are recording a podcast. And, like, we've done three, and, like, the first one, like, if you listen to it, like, I I don't think you would think it was, it was the first time Parker had ever hosted a podcast. And I thought it was great for, especially for a first time, but even for, like, a like if somebody that's been doing it for a while, like it sounded good. He sounded good. He sounded confident. Um, and me, I've been doing this for a while now with Ryan, like three, four months. So I, Jagger says I'm a veteran at this point, um, you know, and, and I don't feel like it, but I feel like I'm learning every time I listen to the shows and I cringe sometimes and I say, yeah, I work on that. I take notes. And, um, but, but I think it's some good, it's definitely good value. I mean, there's a lot of free podcasts you can get out there. So that's why I always talk about the free stuff that we put out. And then if you like that, um, you know, this, you know, it's just a few bucks a month and, and you're really helping out and allowing us to do this stuff that we really like to do. No, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll let you go because I know you've got uh, yeah. supper, supper soon or uh, probably late for supper now. So I apologize. Well, for that. my dog is <laughs> sitting in front of me right now. I haven't eaten it yet, but my dog oh, is, okay. is waiting patiently. She's sitting behind me. Very quiet. It's nice. But uh, as I've said to every guest on this show, obviously, um, this podcast has a has a has a shelf life because I'll run out of guests at some point. I'm sure, but uh, I will I will do more podcasts. I, I was actually speaking of dynamite. I was going to actually do a dynamite show with Aaron Stone uh, from oh. from the group. We haven't actually got around to doing that yet because um, I'm just so busy with work and stuff. But I just unblocked him. He was like <laughs> literally the only person in the in the in the podcast I blocked. I don't even know why, and I apologize, Aaron, but you're not unblocked anymore. No, I, don't, I, don't I think, have no I don't idea why I even blocked you in the first place. I, you know, I was probably in a bad mood one day. And yeah. I apologize. No, Aaron, Aaron's great, and uh, we're, we're definitely. Uh, we're, I'm sure we do. I'm. I'm also talking to to Justin Nipper about doing a Bret Hart podcast as well, which you won't like, yes. of course. But yeah. um, well, no, I like it. I will. <laughs> and he's just not my my guy. But uh, you two, I like Justin. I like you, so I'll probably like the podcast. Yeah, we will. We'll, I'm sure we will get round to it at some point. Uh, but there's there's so many. I mean that group is just there's so many great people in there and uh it's been such a pleasure to to get to know to get the name get to know them over the last well it's only been like seven months i've been in the group but you know like i said earlier it, it feels a lot a lot a lot longer than that but, yeah uh, and, and you know what you're a big part of that group so don't sell yourself short at all and i know like we all have bad days i mentioned mine you've had a few recently and uh you know, like we're all there and for each other, and uh, that, that group is 
like I posted a really personal post on there like yeah. last week and uh, I just needed to say it and I couldn't put it on my regular timeline because there's a lot of people on there that might get offended. There's people on my, you know, my regular Facebook friends that don't really know me, but I felt really safe and I just had something I needed to say. So I said it and the response was really nice. Like I, you know, a lot of nice comments in there, a lot of nice DMs that were sent to me and um, that's what I was hoping for. And, uh, and it really, really helped. So, yeah, no. As you said, it's a really great community, and and um, mm-hmm. let's be honest. I mean, wrestling can bring out the worst in people a lot of times, and there's some really nasty, horrible groups on the internet, which I'm sure you've been parts of, a member of in the past, and and yeah. I, I I certainly <laughs> have. But yeah, this is. Um, I mean, we we don't not going to agree with everything that's put on there, and we're no. not going to. But for the most part, we can agree to disagree, and and we all we all get on really really well. Yeah, even if people I don't agree, like, you know, when I, I said something kind of not super nice about somebody earlier, but it was in good fun. Like, and I love talking to that guy. I just, uh, sometimes it's frustrating. <laughs> but I never, like, I if he was in trouble, I'd try to help him. I, absolutely. Like, anybody in our group. Paul, once again, thank you very much. And Thank uh, you. This was this was awesome. It was really good. And, and um, I'm going to end this podcast by, by saying what Brian Alvarez always says, which is, I'll talk to you again after a while, because I'm, I'm sure I will at some point. <laughs> All right, and I'll say adios. Like that storm. <laughs> yeah.